Good afternoon. Welcome in to the Boulevard Brewing Company post-game drink after a 43-6 loss for Missouri at number one Georgia in a game that was very representative of the score and very much, I, I think, what we thought it would be. Um, the line was pretty close. Missouri covered. Uh, there was about eight minutes there where you felt pretty good. Missouri led 3 nothing, and then... Georgia scored the next 40 points, and Missouri had no chance. And the truth is, Georgia is about six, seven touchdowns better than Missouri on any given day. That's just where the programs stand. Uh, before we get going, want to thank Boulevard Brewing Company for sponsoring this show every single week. Uh, again, it's an early game. There's a lot of college football left on the day. When you're done here, run out to uh, your local establishment. Pick yourself up a six-pack of Boulevard beer, maybe some fling cocktails, maybe some of the Quirk Seltzer, uh, any of the wonderful, refreshing Boulevard products that you might have, and uh, sit around, watch the evening games, and uh, and enjoy yourself. Thanks again to Boulevard for being a part of it, and thanks to all you guys for being a part of it. We will uh, open up the phone lines and and get to everything momentarily. I have a feeling a lot of the talk is going to be about the quarterback and the quarterbacks, I should say. We will get there. Just want to take a, a quick look at the numbers. Um, look, this is about the game we saw. <laughs> 500 yards of total offense for Georgia, 273 for Missouri. A lot of that coming late. Um, Missouri was at 199 early in the fourth quarter. The rushing yardage, on one hand, encouraging for Missouri, right? Georgia only ran for 168. We'll take a look at, at some of the more detailed numbers in a minute. Georgia didn't really gash them on the ground. Now, Missouri was committing eight and nine guys to stopping that run game. And with that comes a price, right? For every risk, um, you know, for, for every potential reward, there is a risk. And the risk is we're leaving a lot of guys in one-on-one -on -one coverage. And Georgia made them pay for all the grief that I think Stetson Bennett gets from Georgia fans. He put the ball out there and his receivers made some nice plays. And Georgia threw for 337 yards and proved that they are a complete team. Uh, what Mizzou proved is simply you have to pick your poison. I think Steve Wilkes did the right thing if you're facing Georgia. The last thing you want to do is just let them beat you to death with the ground game and run for 337 yards. So you put everything you have into stopping the run game and you hope maybe they miss some throws. Maybe they drop some throws. Maybe you make some plays. That didn't really happen. Um, you know, 505 yards, that's not a surprise uh, against this Missouri defense. Maybe a little bit of a surprise the way they came, but they came because that's what Missouri was was set up to allow today. Um, here are some of the numbers, and, and understand you can't read some of the names here, but um, Georgia averaged 5.1 a carry. By the end of the day, Missouri averaged 3.5 a carry, but not bad. They ran for 121 yards. Georgia's averaging only you know, uh, 37 per, uh, per game. Uh, I, I'm sorry, not 37, 75. Georgia's allowing 75 yards per game on the ground. Missouri got 121. Missouri did not throw the ball effectively. They had two late big passes to Towski Dove that were really just nice individual plays. Georgia's allowing 13 first downs a game. Missouri got 15. You know, 
Georgia's allowing six points a game. Missouri got six. Missouri today was the offensive team that Georgia has made everyone look like. You know, it just, this is an elite Georgia defense. And it's an offense that does plenty. I mean, this game, there really wasn't much surprising about it. Um, Georgia just is is that much better than Missouri right now. Um, we will open up the phone lines in a few minutes, but um, want to kind of run through, you know, some of the individual stuff. I mean, in a game like this, there really are no individual standouts. I mean, when you look at Tyler Macon and Brady Cook, the numbers look relatively similar. Um, Making at 116 total yards of offense, Cook at 110. I don't know what the snaps were. I, I assume they were pretty similar as far as the number of plays each one of them played. Tyler Beatty carried nine times for 41 yards. That's kind of one of what I'd like to see out of him in this game. Just there's no reason to beat Tyler Beatty to death in this game that that was over you know mid second quarter anyway. Um, there was again Missouri got out three nothing. I thought there was just a second where Missouri like didn't have a chance to win. Missouri wasn't going to win the game. Don't get me wrong, but had a chance to extend it and keep it close for a little bit longer. Um, he so it was seven three Georgia. It was actually three nothing Missouri, and Georgia faced fourth and six from about the thirty five yard line, and Stetson Bennett threw. A really nice pass on fourth and six, and Jalen Carlisle got beat, and Georgia scored a touchdown, made it 7-3. Then Missouri went to punt, got the punt blocked on a very strange punt formation that had no blocking on the left side, turned into a safety, it's 9-3. Then Georgia scored again, went up 16-3, and I, just from there, I mean, it, it was over. There was there was never a time where you thought this game was going to be close. Uh, quick post-game report from Mitchell Forty, who just hopped off of uh, Eli Drinkwitz's call, said it is too early to know whether Connor Bazelak can play next week. Now, I don't know if he said Connor Bazelak would, would be the starter next week if he can play, but just said they don't know if he can play. We'll wait and see. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the quarterback situation before we take the phone calls. So, Rastree says, Macon needs to start from here on out. The pacing of the offense is complimentary for our defense when he's in. The extra running plays help a lot. I'll be honest, guys. I don't know how you can watch that game and think Tyler Macon's the best, the, the, the better backup option right now. Now, the kid deserves credit. He made some nice plays running. He's clearly a fighter. He competed well. But... I don't know how you can watch that game and think he is right now more ready to go play an SEC game than Brady Cook. In this game, hey, you weren't winning anyway. Go ahead, toss him out there, see what you got in both of them. But Tyler Macon missed a lot of passes. Uh, I mean, he had one to Dominic Lovett early where, I mean, they showed the replay. It's a touchdown, guys. And he waited three or four seconds and threw it off his back foot. He missed two, like, three-yard passes to Daniel Parker, including one that should have been a touchdown on the last play of the game. It doesn't matter. Uh, scoring or not scoring that touchdown doesn't matter. But, I mean, it, at the end of it, like, that, I, you have to complete that, that pass. In the running, I'll be honest, 
I was more impressed with Brady Cook than I thought I was going to be. He had 10 carries for 32 yards. Macon had 11 carries for 42. Macon had a 20-yarder. Cook had an 11-yarder. I mean, Brady Cook is is mobile enough. And he... Now, the, the passing numbers ended up looking somewhat similar because Tyler Macon had two jump balls to Towski Dove on the last drive of the game. Those combined for 56 yards. Before that, Tyler Macon had four completions for 16 yards. Guys, you can't... Against Georgia, I, it doesn't really matter. I, I don't care. But if that's your game plan, if your game plan does not include being able to complete passes... You're not going to beat Florida or South Carolina. Missouri actually has a chance to beat South Carolina and Florida, I think, in Arkansas. Brady Cook, I think, gives them a better chance to do that. Now, that does not mean you don't play Tyler Macon. I think there are situations for Tyler Macon. I think there are packages. I think there are plays. It doesn't mean Tyler Macon can't be a really good quarterback down the road. But today proved two things to me. And I understand it was Georgia. I understand it was a different beast. And I don't think Connor Bazelak would have been phenomenal against Georgia. Don't get me wrong. He wouldn't have won this game. He wouldn't have put up 28 points, any of those things. But I think now, today, you saw why Eli Drinkwitz has believed Connor Bazelak is his best option at quarterback. I personally saw that Brady Cook is the second best option. Now, if you want to argue that Missouri doesn't really have a great option, I'm here for that. I, I'm not going to disagree with it. But I, I just think that yeah, I, I don't really know how you could watch that game and say Tyler Macon needs to be the starter from here on out. I, I, I don't I just don't see it, man. Um, you know, and, and again, that doesn't mean he won't be really good down the road. Um, but I just I think if that's your takeaway from this game, you are like that's what you're looking to see. It's confirmation bias, right? Uh, this is this is what you went in wanting to see, and so that is what you see. Um, I, 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 <laughs> that's the only way I think you can come away with that conclusion. So um, we will continue to, to look through some of the comments and, and all that, um, but look, this is mostly a show about what you guys want to talk about. So I'm going to open up the phone lines. I'm, I'm going to remind you. If you call in, the number's right there, 573-234-4935. I'm going to ask you if you do two things if you call in. Number one, whatever you're listening on, you need to turn the volume down or mute it. If you got your radio or your computer or whatever on in the background, please turn that down when you call in so I don't get a bunch of feedback. Second, I will call on you on your with your area code. Until I do call on you, please just wait and, and stay silent because... Um, I have other people on the line, and we have a whole bunch of calls coming in right now, and we are going to answer them, and we are going to start um, in the 573 area code. Who's on the line from the 573 area code? Anybody. Hey, Gabe. It's Justin Ferguson. Hey, Justin. What's going on? Hey, so my take on the whole quarterback thing with all three quarterbacks on this roster is Bazelak is clearly – the overall better quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, he's our number one. He's he's overall the better passer um, and just a more complete quarterback. Yeah. Tyler Macon, he is a pure runner, um, better than than the rest. And there's no doubt you can see it with his legs. Uh, he is clearly the faster, the more dynamic runner. 
And Brady Cook is just kind of like a little bit of a hodgepodge of both of those kind of guys, in my opinion. And, you know, with his legs, he, he is mobile. He can run. It's not as elite as Macon. And with his arm, it's it's better than Macon, but it's not quite as accurate and, and you know, on the same level with Connor Bazelak. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certain... I think if you could, like, combine all three of them, Missouri might have a good quarterback. I'm not sure it has a really good quarterback right now, but given kind of kind of the whole skill set, I agree. I think Basilak's probably one, Cook's two, and Macon's three, and, and I have a hard time really viewing it in any other order. And I think I don't think you're giving Macon enough credit on those two throws either. Those two throws at the end of the game, now, granted, it was in garbage time, those were were some some bullets right there. I mean, that was some dimes that came out. And, and Dell went up and made a play. And that's something I think that's kind of lacking with our quarterback play is you saw Stetson Bennett. He, he throws it up and his guys go and make plays. There's nothing really great about what he did. He threw, threw the – you know, you saw in the first half. He just threw it. His guys went up and made plays. You don't – See that so that, much with with our kind of with our quarterbacks. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he put the ball in an area where his guy could make a play, so he does deserve credit for it. And and I should give him probably more credit. Um, up until that point, we hadn't seen really anything in the passing game. I, I I'm questionable certainly, um, but he did enough to to continue to earn some snaps. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, he, he needs to his his short passing game needs to improve like yes he, it seems like the the throws down you know that he had to make there were 30 plus yard throws were dimes and then the all he had to do mm-hmm. is just 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 send that ball home to daniel parker and he's he walks mm-hmm. into the end zone yep. it seemed like he you know the, the short yardage passes he was short on him for whatever reason mm-hmm. the other thing gave us uh, you know the defensive line and the linebackers i think they did i think they deserve a lot of credit i mean you know we all expected them to give up yards rushing and, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't. I mean, they played yeah. really well. Yeah, they gave eight, nine guys, but we've seen them give eight, nine guys in the box before in other games and still give up 200, 300 yards rushing. So, uh, half off Steve Wilkes and the defensive staff, I think they, they, you know, they did what they could do today, and, and I thought it was an admirable effort on their end. Yeah, they were better today, and i got to ask the other callers if you guys can kind of mute your lines. We'll get to you here in a second. Um, I, I agree. Defense was better today. I mean, still not good enough, obviously. I, I don't want to get too I, – I don't want to hand out too many bouquets for a 43-6 loss that could have been worse, but th- there are things to like there, um, you know. So uh, it gave you at least some hope for the last three weeks. I agree, Justin. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Jim. All right, buddy. Let's move on now to the 816 area code. Who do I have from the 816? Yeah, this is Royce. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Royce? How you doing, man? Hey, not too bad, man. So uh, I'm a long-time Missouri fan, man. I'm from Columbia. Parents went there, graduated. Love Missouri. Mm-hmm. But the common thing that's driving me crazy about Missouri is the lack of being able to compete. I'm sick of watching this team. I don't care what's going on. Going on the TV and not even competing. Like, I think that's bigger than the players. I'm not going to pick these kids apart. They're kids. I'm talking about the coaches. Like, in coaching, from week one to where we are now, there should at least be some improvement. I'm seeing our secondary making the same mistakes they made week one. Like, even a kid with slow feet with with enough coaching 
can at least be in position to make a play. If you don't have the talent, fair enough. But you can at least get better. And we don't get better. And I'm tired of it. I, I mean, and that's all I had. I'll listen up the air. Royce, I appreciate it. I would say I, I thought they were. I thought they competed more today than they have in some weeks. I think. Look, I think that that take is very fair after the Tennessee game, after the A and M game. Very fair. I, I think they competed today. Georgia legitimately is six touchdowns better than they are. Now, you can be upset about that, and, and I understand that. And I said on the pregame show, look, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to hand out roses for losing by six touchdowns because that's, this is a team in your league. The goal is to beat Georgia and to compete with Georgia, not not to just kind of cover against them. So I, I, I'm not handing out any awards for, for doing what Missouri did today. I didn't think today was any sort of lack of effort or lack of try. I, I think they, if they play Georgia 10 times, they lose nine of them 43 to six or worse. Um, you know, now I understand the frustration, but I think it's more frustration from earlier in the season than it is specifically about today. They come out next week and they get boat raced by South Carolina. That call is going to be a hundred percent correct. Um, but I, I think today is just a day where, where I'm not sure that's the argument. Let's go to the, uh, two, two, nine area code. Who's there? Hey, uh, this is Aaron from Albany, Georgia. What's up, Aaron? How you doing, man? I guess I'm going to. I'm doing good. I guess I'm going to have to take a different take on this. You know, I thought, uh, well, our strength was our weakness today, and I thought our weakness was our strength today. Um, I think, you know, I'm from Georgia, mm-hmm. and, you know, talking to people. I don't think Kirby Smart was gonna, is going to be going to look at that tape and be pleased with the performance of Georgia today. I, I think they played a C-D game, and we played – you know, especially on defense, we played our A game, in my opinion. Uh, and I mean, that just shows you how big the the talent uh, gap is between these teams and special teams. That's our strength, and I thought that was really bad today. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say Georgia played a D game. Um, you know, I, I thought they were okay today. Uh, probably like a C plus game. Um, in Missouri, an A game, I. I maybe um, I I think that's being a little generous, um, but I'd say Missouri probably closer to like a B game. Um, and you're right, that is the talent gap. Um, but you know Stetson Bennett did a lot of good things for Georgia today. Um, their receivers I thought played really well. Um, that defensive line when it mattered was was pretty dominant. Um, Missouri didn't have a lot of places to go after the opening drive or two. So you know. Um, but, yeah, overall, like I said, Georgia, these teams play 10 times. Look, there's a reason Georgia was a 38-point favorite. They really are that much better than Missouri is. I think if – and I'm not saying we're going to duplicate this effort on the defensive end, but, you know, if we could duplicate this effort for the rest of the season, I think we have a shot in winning six games. So I, that's where I'm somewhat encouraged. But Yeah. But I, I got to go back to the quarterback play. Um, I, I – I'm admittedly, you know, I'm a Macon fan, and primarily it's because, you know, I wanted to make sure we have a good relationship with Darren Sunkett and, uh, you know, and, and continue to get that pipeline. But I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I just came away extremely impressed with Brady Cook. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of it was dump, dump off passes and so forth. Um, you know, I mean, it wasn't like he was going but, down down the field. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple I, I, eight ten yarders, you know. Yeah, so 
Um, yeah, you know, we, we always love the backup quarterback, but, you know, I guess I've always, you know, he's always completing close to maybe, you know, it's easy to, to you know, when you're dumping it off to the running back, but, you know, I'm like wondering why Cook doesn't get more playing time, you know, before today. And so I, I, I would go with Cook. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see, and, and we won't know, because if Basilak doesn't start, we will be told it's because he, he isn't healthy. Whether that's the truth or not, we will never know. Um, it will not be a situation where Basilak is healthy and they tell us that and they go with another guy. Um, but, you know, with, uh, I mean, kind of starting with your original point about, you know, maintaining a good relationship with Sunkett and all that. Darren Sunkett's a football coach. Like, he can watch a game and and have an idea who the better quarterback, obviously, is. You don't keep your job as a Division I head coach by inserting politics and favoritism into who you're playing. You do it by playing the better player. And and again, I am not saying that Tyler Macon shouldn't play. He should, he should ob- absolutely get some snaps and get some series and get some reps here and there. But... It's as simple as you just play the better player and it, you let the chips fall where they may after that. And you have to trust that coaches and, and guys like that are not going to hold it against you if their guy maybe wasn't the better player. Um, and, and that's my opinion, but I agree with you. If if Basilak's hurt, I start Brady Cook next week and I have a couple packages for Tyler Macon. Oh, and also, i got to give Drink with some credit now. I, I... Uh, I think he purposely, in that press conference, made it seem like he was going to play Cook, start Cook. And, and um, uh, um, you know, and uh, he threw, threw a loop, I think. I think he, it, that was purposeful. It, it might have been. Um, you know, we could go into a million reasons why, what happened. I mean, the truth of the matter is, like you're not getting a competitive advantage against Georgia. Georgia didn't care who Missouri was starting at quarterback. Um, you know, maybe he truly didn't know till Friday. I have no idea how it went down, uh, but I don't really think after the game last week it, he was intentionally playing this 3D chess game that he knew he was going to do something different six days later. Um, you know, ultimately, I don't think it much mattered. They they both played, um, and and obviously. Look, they could have, Missouri could add Tom Brady back there, and they weren't winning that game today. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, good talking to you as always. All right, Aaron. Thanks, man. Uh, all right, let's go now. Three one four area code. Who's on the line from there? Hey, Gabe. Hey, who am I talking to? This is uh, Mike Kaiser from uh, St. Peter's, Missouri. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Hey, good. Um, the only thing I was recruiting, uh, Georgia still has a better recruiting class than Mizzou has next year. How far are we behind Georgia? Oh, I mean. How many, how many years does it take for us to catch up to them? Like, as a program, you're not catching them. I mean, you're just not. Now, that doesn't mean you can never beat them. But you're not catching Georgia in recruiting rankings. You're not catching them, like, year in, year out. What Missouri has to do is they have to build and like Georgia is a team that starts every season wanting to be in the national title race. Missouri more has to build toward that once every four or five years, you can maybe do that. And then you're probably going to have to build to it again. Um, but 
I mean, you're going to have to be better than Georgia for the right day on 60 minutes and get a little bit of help. But as far as catching Georgia program-wise, nah, that's it, it's not all that realistic, to be quite honest. Not right now, anyway. Not the way they're recruiting. I mean, they're Alabama. It, it's not really on anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You've got to develop players. you got to have them right on that one day. Um, yeah, but, but as far as sheer talent on the field, I don't think Missouri will ever have more talent on the field than Georgia does as far as top to bottom on the roster. So five, ten years from now, we're going to have to have enough, enough talent so it's going to be on drink lists, right? I, I mean – all right. Yeah, you're. I, I think it's unlikely to ever catch Georgia. Really, that's. I. I mean, <laughs> on a consistent basis. I. I don't know how. How. How more. How else to put it. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one, man. Let's go. Uh, let's go next to the six one eight area code. Uh, who? Who's there? Hey, Gabe. How's it going? Not bad. What's up? How you doing, Jared? Uh, good. So I'm with you. I it's just unfathomable to me to watch that game and like see Macon being anywhere close to Cook as far as being a game ready quarterback right now. He's yes. he's better at he he knows the offense better, he's a better passer, he's better at going through his progressions. I mean, yeah, Macon had a couple good passes at the end, but at the end of the day, he was always going to Dove, and they were jump balls. Yeah. He, you know, they were nice passes, but it wasn't It wasn't like what Cook was doing, in my opinion. And if, if I'm drink... Go ahead, yeah. What's that? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if I'm drink, what I'm doing, I am telling Macon, or I'm pitching Macon on sitting out for the rest of the year, saving his red shirt and putting himself in the, in the best position to win the starting job next year. Because, I mean, it's just, I'm with you, it just wasn't close. I, it just, Cook was far and away the more game-ready quarterback in my opinion. I'll go ahead and hang up and respond. All right, Jared, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, um, I, I agree overall with what you're saying. Tyler Macon has one more game he can play in before there's a red shirt that's gone. Um, now, look, if I think maybe you consider making him a situational guy in each of the last three games. Don't worry about the red shirt. Just keep going and, and, and see what he can do. But if he wants to save the red shirt, you know, maybe you pick the game where you use him. Um, but, he, but he is a situational guy right now. He's not a guy that I think you can put out there every down and go win an SEC football game. Because Missouri's run game isn't good enough to just do that on its own. You're going to have to throw the ball, and and I just don't see him being there yet in that aspect of the game. So I think he's a guy that has a role, but I don't think he is an every-down starting quarterback. And I want to be clear, I don't think Brady Cook was a superstar today. I just thought he was the better quarterback that we saw. Um, so do we have another caller on the line from 618? I feel like two guys talked at once when I called it out last time. Oh, yeah, sorry about that, Gabe. It's Travis from Southern Illinois. Hey, Travis, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm all right. I, I'm just going to go uh, a little bit of a different way with my question. I can two-part. One would be, what are the chances, and you've probably seen him play more than me, that maybe Sam Horn can actually come in next year 
and win the starting job. And then my second part was, do you know anything about the context of that Daniel Parker tweet before the game? Because he looked uh, uninterested in playing today. So, I mean, yeah. I'm just being realistic here. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll start with the Parker thing. Look, before the game, I can't remember the exact tweet, but it was basically, I'm done. Uh, I'm over it. it. It was literally 54 minutes before kickoff. Like, if that was Daniel Parker tweeting, he was doing it from the locker room in Athens. And I thought that was weird. I, I still think it's weird. I don't know what the context of it was. He was in on the second snap of the game. He didn't play the first snap of the game. Um, but he did play the second snap. He was on the field throughout the day. I don't know what it was about, man. Um, I mean, this kid, I, I checked when I saw the tweet. He wasn't suspended. He was on the trip. He was on the team. He loves some social media drama. What it was, I don't know. I would think his coaches wouldn't be thrilled that he's tweeting 54 minutes before the game. Um, but but I don't have any idea, to be quite honest with you. And then um, I... I you're going to have to remind me the, the first part of your question, uh, the first part of your call. I'm sorry, I got uh, just, sidetracked. How would uh, how would Sam, Sam Horn compare right. to the quarterback we currently have and maybe what are the chances? I know it's just being a freshman, but what are yeah. the odds of him maybe coming in and just winning the job next season? Yeah, I'm thinking actually about writing about that tonight. Um, I Just about, not about Sam Horn specifically, but about handling the quarterback situation going forward. Because it's really interesting. You've got Connor Bazelak, who has been your starter and I think probably expected or expects to be your starter next year. You've got Brady Cook and Tyler Macon, who showed a little bit today, but who by the end of this year, one of them is going to understand he's the third string guy. And Sam Horn's coming in. And reality is you're probably losing one of those guys after this year, I would think. Um, now, maybe not, but that's generally the way quarterback goes. One of those three... You know, if Basilak and the problem becomes if Basilak thinks he's not going to be the guy, what if him and the guy who think they're third string leave? Then you go into next year with one guy who played like three games this year in a true freshman. And this is a year where you're going to need to win. Like, I think it's very important the way Drinkwitz handles quarterback going forward the next four weeks. And it's why I kind of think it's a little bit important that you do get some some sort of separation between Cook and Macon because you can afford to lose one of the guys that's on the roster, but you really can't afford to lose two. And I don't think I know enough to say, you know, which two you necessarily have to keep. Um, but it's an interesting three weeks going forward at that position because, uh, you know, next year, like you said, can Sam Horn come in and win the job? He could. It's going to be tough. But I wouldn't completely write it off. Um, but you know, you got to have, as this year has shown, you better have three dudes on the roster that can play. Yeah, and uh, I was just wondering, do you think uh, what, with Sam Horn is he actively going to play baseball next year? I mean, do you know the situation on that? And I'll let you go. Well, he's going to play high, this year. He's going to play high school baseball. I mean, as of now, yeah, he says he is. Um, sometimes things change with quarterbacks, right? Um, you know, quarterback's a position where I can't really imagine you, they want him missing a lot of spring football, but hey, part of the deal to get him here is he's playing baseball and so he's playing baseball till he's not. And we'll see we'll see how it turns out down the road. Travis, appreciate the call, man. Let's go next to the two oh six area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, what's going on? How are you? Uh pretty good. 
the quarterback situation a little bit. I just found it like a super interesting dynamic. Um, just kind of seeing that Macon, who clearly did not perform quickly, it was clearly like a better option at this time mm-hmm. between the two other things like he lacked. It's just interesting seeing Baker like how two things that he lacks we actually see in the other quarterbacks that really like how Macon kind of really trusted his receiver to go up and make a play. Um, like I bet you ask a guy like Keaton Chisholm if he thinks that he gets gets shots with open make plays from Connor, he probably would tell you he does it. Yeah. Um, like it was also interesting seeing Brady Cook be able to take off um, like an extend play, like an actual confidence like in his legs of, oh look, there's a first down line that's four yards away. I can actually get there. Mm-hmm. And it seeing some guys kind of tiptoe and be a little bit of ginger. So it was a super uh, it's super interesting seeing that dynamic. Um, and I think the next year is definitely going to be interesting. And I think you got to play both sides. I think that the time making has a super dynamic game. It really opens things up for Beatty because it's not just a play of one thing that goes into the ball. There's actual, you know, there's more things you can do out of that. So, yeah, I think that's what you can do on that. Um, and have a good one. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, all, all good points there. And, and I think as far as throwing the ball up and giving guys a chance, like I almost think. It, this is going to sound more insulting than I mean it to sound, but like ignorance is bliss to some extent, right? Um, like you don't, you, when you're young, you don't know what you don't know. And maybe there are times that you just say, Hey, I'm just going to fire this ball up there and, and let my go make, let my guy go make a play. Whereas when you're in your second, third year as a starter, you might say, yeah, that might get picked. I'm, I'm going to make the, the more prudent decision. Set first game in a while. Hey man, throw it up there. I think there's something to that. Um, Cook was more mobile than I thought, and and the one thing those guys both clearly bring that Connor Bazelak doesn't bring is an ability and a willingness to take off and run. Um, whether Connor Bazelak is unable or unwilling to do that, I don't really know, but he's clearly at least one of those things, right? Because he doesn't do it. And so, Basilek, or I'm sorry, Cook and Macon both bring more mobility to the position. Um, now, most of the day today, the offense, the passing offense, didn't look great. In the first half, Missouri averaged about 1.6 yards per 1.7 yards per pass attempt. Um, that is, and I posted at halftime. Look, the idea that. The main thing holding the offense back was Brady Co- or was Connor Bazelak's arm strength. I think was clearly misguided. That wasn't it. Um, part of it's the offense. They said over and over on the broadcast today, and I think Joe Testor and Greg McElroy do a good job, and they clearly know their stuff. They frequently called it a lateral side to side offense. This is a little bit what Drinkwitz does, right? Now I think he'd like to take more deep shots than they have. But this is a little bit the offense. Um, part of it has been the quarterback. Part of it's the receivers. I think part of it's the line and just the belief that you can't get anybody open 27 yards downfield because you don't have time to do it. But the idea that, well, all Connor Bazelak does is throw checkdowns and he doesn't have the arm to throw it more than five yards. I mean, that's just an intellectually lazy argument. You can't watch the game and really believe that. You're, you're, it's a shock value comment that you're trying to get a reaction. And congratulations, it works because it irritates me. But you can't really believe that's what they do with, 
with Bazelak in the in the lineup. But they did not. I off of memory, there wasn't a pass thrown ten yards downfield in the first half. I, I could be wrong, but I don't remember one. Um, you know, there weren't many, if there were any. Uh, Missouri also had, I think. 19 yards passing at half they got a little more in the second half i thought brady cook connected he didn't hit any deep balls but he did have a couple like eight ten yarders you know a couple mid-range balls and then macon hit the two to dove on the last drive which obviously helped the numbers um so there are things that basilac does that the two guys today didn't do there are things the two guys today do that basilac doesn't do to me, the interesting thing going forward is if Connor Bazelak is healthy, is he just back as the starting quarterback? I don't know that. Um, I don't know if we'll find that out. Now, I, I think fans will hope not because in a season that at best is going to be probably six and six i guess theoretically they could still go seven and five but but i don't really see that in a season that's at best going to be six and six fans are always going to lean toward finding out what the future is about more than hey let's stick with the current guy right um so i think that eli drinkwitz has to balance the future and all that stuff i just talked about managing the quarterbacks with the idea that he still needs to give his team the best chance to win games. Like, he owes it to Tyler Beatty and to Towski Dove and to Kiki Chisholm and to Mike Mayetti and some of these guys that are out there to win as many games as they can. And if they can make a bowl game in their senior year, to go do that. So you can't just say, Connor Bazelak, nah, we're done, we're moving on. And again, maybe Bazelak is so hurt that he can't play the rest of the year. There are many unknowns here, right? He could be out for the season. I don't know. But there's a lot of things to manage. And again, I'm, I'm going to write a column about that tonight because I think it's really interesting. And I think it's the, the biggest part, not only of this season, but really of the next, like next year and probably even the year after, is how does Drinkwitz handle this and how does he set up the quarterback position for the future? And I don't ha have answers. I don't really even have suggestions. It's It's a tough spot to be in. And he's going to need to be right about it because if he's wrong about it, he's going to lose the wrong guys and he's going to find himself in year four being in trouble. So, you know, it, it, it'll be very interesting to see um, how it goes. Well, we've got a break on the calls. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you about Boulevard. Go out, pick up uh, whether it's it's all their – they have tons of beers out there. I don't even know how many varieties they have anymore. Started with just a couple. Now there's, you know, dozens. Um, but you can get that. You can get some fling cocktails. You can get some cork seltzer. Uh, you can get those at pretty much any uh, grocery store or liquor store throughout the state of Missouri or wherever you might be listening. They're in a lot of states now. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, you can also go to their website, not for the beer, but just to find out more about them. Um, appreciate them being a part of this show every week. Appreciate you guys being a part of this show. And if you do want to call in, the lines are clear at 573-234-4935. But while we have a little bit of a break, um, we've got a lot of people watching live and, and have been commenting and carry on, carrying on the conversation. And we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we'll go to the phone line and the 561 area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, this is Jeff down in Florida. How you doing? Not bad. What's up, Jeff? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I went to the Boston College game this year, made a little road trip, 
And since that date, I have been dreading this Georgia game <laughs> was going to be another Norman conquest. Yeah. And so, you know, measured against that, I actually feel a little better about the world today than I thought I would. And so today showed me two things. Number one, we can sell out and stop the run. Yes. It's possible. It does leave you vulnerable to a good quarterback, but at least we could stop the run with yes. enough bodies up there. That might be important, you know, down the road in a couple of the games coming up. Mm -hmm. The other thing that became apparent to me was if we're so good on first and second down, how can we be the worst third down defense in the history of football? Yeah. And how can we always give up third and nine to a six yard pass with a gut receivers back to the, you know, our, our defense <laughs> yeah. and still can't tackle him playing safe. Yeah, the frustrating part of the early part of that game, I think, was it was 3 nothing Missouri, but it felt like Missouri actually could have built a little lead because they did. They gave up a third and seven, then they gave up a fourth and six. And, you know, they had Georgia in third and long, like the first three or four times uh, that they had the ball. So uh, definitely frustration there right now. I, I think most of what you're – most of what that came out of is when you get to third and eight or nine – in that situation, you don't want to like all-out blitz because then you've got guys in one-on-one -on -one coverage and you're vulnerable to a big play. So you're thinking, we'll play it a little safer. Well, the problem is the talent gap is so big that Missouri can't even cover Georgia's receivers playing zone right now. So they're just finding holes for one more yard than they needed. And trust me, understand the frustration. And and I shared it with you going, hang on, man, you've gotten to stop on first and you've gotten to stop on second. And then, then what happens on third? And I'm actually going to look up the third down numbers. I bet we're better than we, yeah, Georgia was only four of nine on third down. They were two of two on fourth, but it, it seemed worse than that just because of when it happened, I think. Absolutely. The other thing that, that's crazy to me, and I saw this in the Boston College game and in a couple other games this year, too. It wasn't just Macon on the little flip today at the goal line. That's so exasperating. Yeah, Basilak has done that two or three times this year also. Okay, It's like, how, how can we not complete a five-yard pass <laughs> that looks like a drill you run in practice, 7,000? It's like a layup. How can we not complete that pass? Yeah, I mean, it, that it happened two or three times today, certainly, where you're going – I mean, literally, you don't even really have to throw it overhand, right? You just kind of toss it underhand because you're running with the guy and he's literally four yards in front of you. I, I mean, look, I, I don't want to – judge you know hey there's a lot going on out there sometimes sometimes things just happen but it seems like that pass should be completed 95 percent of the time and it, it certainly uh wasn't today and and i will trust you that that basilac has missed that throw too i don't specifically remember it but i don't know why you'd make it up so so i'll trust you a couple of times well look you know it, it's a tough year for all of us um I feel strangely confident, though, that Drinkwitz is the right guy, yeah. and I do think we need to give him a chance, and uh, hopefully we'll all be breathing and uh, smiling in a couple of years. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, definitely with breathing. I, I, I'd choose breathing over smiling if I had the choice. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, I don't know if Eli's the right guy. Missouri needs him to be because if he's not, then you're starting over and you got to give the next guy three or four years, right? And we talked about this on the pregame show. It's hard. At Missouri, you've got to be – you've got to hire the right guy. At Georgia, at Alabama, at Texas, if you hire the wrong guy, then just fire him, go hire the next guy, and odds are he'll probably be all right because those places are always good. Missouri doesn't have as many advantages, so you need to be right on your hires. And we'll find out in the next probably two years if Missouri's right with Eli, certainly. So appreciate the call, Jeff. You got it. All right, we'll talk to you. Let's uh, let's go next to the 402 area code. Who's on the line? Hey, Gage, it's Jim Simmons in Omaha, Nebraska. How you doing? Not bad, Jim. What's going on? Hey, what happened up there with the Ohio State game today? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> serious. I, did, I haven't seen a final. Oh, uh, well, Nebraska, they missed a field goal at the end of the game like they were supposed to. Okay. Um, and they missed two field goals. So they, they wish it would have been tied and didn't the last little bit of the game. But they were down six and uh, had the ball. And I think it ended up uh, not able to score, had to punt. Ohio State got a field goal to go up by nine, nice. I think it was. And then they basically couldn't, couldn't score again. Yeah, well, that's a real shame. I feel, but, feel terrible for the people yeah. up there. <laughs> but, again, they were in it until pretty much the end. So yeah. you know, everybody's got to got to feel good about being close. Right, right. So uh, I assume you didn't call to, to talk to me about Nebraska. So what's going on? No, but I'm always happy to talk about a Nebraska loss anytime you want to. <laughs> there but, you go. Uh, there you go. Um, I kind of echo uh, the last caller's comments about, you know, there's a little bit of reason to be confident. I, I remember watching this game and thinking, you know, what's up with this defense, you know, stopping this really good Georgia run run game? And, in fact, one at one point I think we were actually at double the yards per carry, mm-hmm. uh, maybe for the first half. Um, and, obviously, we're selling out for the run, so there's a, there's a reason for that. But um, the other thing I – I think everybody kind of saw is just the talent gap. You know, these gargantuan receivers making these amazing plays that look like what our, our junior high, you know, defenders and that kind of thing. And I, I, and I think that is just shows the, the huge gap that there is, but also a lot of reason to be hopeful for the future, hopefully. Yeah, I, I mean, like I see both sides of this. Um, there, there were things that give you hope, and you're right. I mean, look, Georgia is – I mean, Georgia has recruited every bit as good as well as Alabama the last five years. So there is no reason to freak out because you're not as good as Georgia. Like the guy that called a few minutes ago and said, when do we catch Georgia? Well, you probably aren't, and that's okay. Neither is anybody else. Right. On, this, on the flip side, like today's game was reflective of where these programs are. And while I understand Missouri fans are going – hey, this could have been 73 nothing, and it wasn't, so I'm happy about that. And I do understand that side of it. I also understand the side that says, yeah, but it was 43-6 and probably could have been worse. And this is a team in your division, and the goal does, the goal does need to be to catch them. Even if it's not a realistic goal, the goal needs to be like, hey, we shouldn't go into a game as the biggest underdog we've been in 26 seasons to anybody and legitimately, like I'm saying all week, I can't invent a scenario in my mind where Missouri wins this game. Like, they both play the same sport and they're both in the same conference and in the same division, right? So I I understand why somebody would be hopeful and I understand why somebody would also be fairly depressed thinking, so this is where we're at? Like, is this the best we can hope for, just to get beat by five touchdowns and not feel terrible about it? Uh, I understand both sides of it. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, I mean, just and I, I think to beat to beat Georgia, you know, you're probably never going to beat them just straight up head to head. You're going to like you like you always say, you're going to have to have a few things go your way. You have to get a few turnovers, and you know, we're going to ultimately at some point hopefully have a game that turns out in our favor. But you know, to do things like I don't know what was going on with that one punt that we had everybody lined up on the right side of the line to let them run right through and block the punt for us. I mean, just stuff like that. If you do stuff like that, we're just never going to win games like this. Yeah, well, and that was the thing. It, well, like early on, again, it was three nothing Missouri, but like they had two or three penalties that set them back, and then there was there was the the block punt and the fourth down play, and they gave up another third and long. Like they had made some mistakes where you're going, hey, it's three nothing, but it almost feels like it could have been like thirteen nothing. And you missed a chance to right. actually maybe give yourself some momentum. Not that I thought Missouri was winning that game. But yeah, those are the type right. of things. I mean, on the on the first series, Barrett Bannister drops a pass and then Mike Mayetti commits a, a snap infraction. Like these are your seniors. You can't do that with your with your true freshman making his first career start on the road, right? So Look, this team is obviously a ways away. We know that. Um, I'll judge them a lot more. The next time they go to Athens, they better not be a 39-point underdog, right? If they're a 39-point underdog in 2023 in this game, then Eli's not the guy. We might have to wait till then to find out, but if they're a 39-point underdog next time they play Georgia down there, I'll know he's not the guy. Right. Well, Dave, I love what you're doing. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for the call, man. Uh Appreciate you being a part of the show, and uh, so yeah, we've got we've got again phone lines open. As I said, I want to run through uh, some of the comments while we have time, but we'll always default to the phones um, and, and the callers, and and go with what you guys want to talk about um, during this show. So, um, but while we are kind of waiting on that, I will uh, I will try to catch up and and see if there's any comments or questions from you guys who have been here watching and and maybe not calling in, but just just watching. Uh, okay, Rastri says, unbelievably, we won the trenches on both sides of the ball. Our front seven only gave up 168 on the ground, and our rushing offense surpassed Georgia's average. Um. Like, you can say that they played better in the trenches than you thought they would, but I don't think you can say that Missouri won the battle at the line of scrimmage. I, I don't think you can say that by any stretch of the imagination. They were better than I thought they would be, but they did not, you know, dominate. The, they didn't win that matchup, I don't think. Um, kind of like Spencer said. Spencer seems to agree. Won't say we won the trenches, but they were more contested than anyone thought they would be going into the game. And I think that's a fair outlook on it. Um, let's see. Better the offense looks similar to when Basil acts with the added benefit of a QB who gives the threat of a run than the QB who can only run. I agree, Jared. That's, that's where I'm at with this, right? Like, Brady Cook's running is closer to Tyler Makins than Tyler Makins' passing is to Brady Cook's. I think that's a fair way to put it. Let's uh, jump back to the phone lines in the 636 area code. Who am I talking to? 636, you there? Yes. Who am I talking to? Steven. What's up, Steven? How you doing, man? Good. Um, I just wanted to comment. Uh, I thought both quarterbacks played pretty decent today uh considering the test the one thing that i i did really like is they ran with some intensities but also when there was pressure in their face they still 
Uh, they didn't freak out, throw interceptions. They seemed to get out of pressure really well and make something happen. I would agree with that. Both of them showed some pretty good poise in the pocket. And, like, look, they, they took some hits, and, and they didn't always make something happen. But you're right. There wasn't a lot of – there weren't very many, oh, my God, what are you doing with that throw throws, right? You know, um, and, and that's something for a quarterback uh, making his first start or seeing his first real action on the road in that environment. I, I think that is something. That is impressive. The, and I say that because the last few weeks I've seen Bazelak. I don't think he gets pressured as much as we, we say he does. And the few times he does get something in his face, that's when it seems that he's throwing these, these kind of these bad picks. So it's nice to see somebody, you know, a little pressure in their yeah. face to get out. Yeah, I think, I think Connor has gotten a little, like, he's regressed. And I think he's... He he is not as good under pressure as he has. Like, his biggest attribute last year was just the poise. And, like, he looked like he was making a sandwich back there in the pocket. And you don't see that as much this year. I don't know if that's the hits or I, I don't know what it is and, and can't know what it is without being in his head or without him being honest in interviews. But, I, I yeah, overall, I would say I was pleasantly surprised with both quarterbacks. Um, they both were better – overall probably than I thought they might be today? Uh, my last question is, there was a moment where Drinkwitz did jump into uh, Brady Cook's face. Yeah. And it was on one where he got pressured and he ran for nine yards and dove. But yeah. he, I was wondering if maybe somebody else saw something. Maybe there was a receiver wide open downfield once he escaped the pressure. Well, it maybe looked like it or... Yeah, I could be wrong. It looked like to me he was telling Cook he needed to dive like for the sticks. Uh, now, Cook ran, he dove, he didn't get to the marker. I, I don't know if Drinkwitz was mad that he didn't stay up a yard longer to get the. I didn't really understand getting in the guy on, on that play. Like, he's trying to make something happen, and he did. And if you're that mad, just go for it on fourth and one. Don't punt the ball away. I, I th That seemed really weird to me, and I don't know if anybody asked Eli about it in the postgame. I kind of doubt it because by the end of the game, it was fairly inconsequential, but... It just seemed like a really weird spot to get that hot at a quarterback that's really playing his first significant action in college. I agree. Thank, thank you so much. All right, Stephen. Appreciate the call, man. Um, so, yeah, phone lines open again. Um, if you'd like to call in, certainly uh, we'll stick around and, and take the calls. Um, you know, again <laughs> – I, all the talk, most of the talk has been about the quarterbacks, which which I kind of anticipated today. It's going to be interesting to see how, how Eli handles it going forward. Uh, I, I don't want to make too much of a 43-6 loss that wasn't really very competitive. Um, at the same time, there are things that you can take out of it to feel good about. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think it's okay to say both those things. Like, hey, there are some things to feel good about. But overall, honestly, not anywhere near good enough. Um, you know, it, I mean, 43-6 is 43-6, you know. Um, uh, Stewart talking about the run defense. And again, we've talked about this some. Um, I, I think ultimately you – the run defense came from – they just said, no matter what, we are not letting this guy beat us. We're not letting the run game beat us. 
and they didn't to their credit. Now there have been other games where we've seen them say we're not letting the run de- the run beat us, and the run still beat them. So you know, um, so they do deserve credit for that. They left themselves vul- left themselves vulnerable to the pass, but. Hey, that happens, man. You can't stop everything. Uh, John says if that defense shows up next weekend, we'll be 5-5. Five and five. I, I think that's probably true. You match that effort against South Carolina, I think you're probably going to find yourself winning. Uh, T-Rise asking if Beatty was hurt or just keeping him from getting hurt. I think it was much more the latter. Um, he has a ton of miles on his wheels this, this year, and so if you can give him a break, in a game that, look, you weren't going to win. I mean, that game was, what, 26-3 at halftime, I think. Game was over at halftime. Give him a break. Um, just why throw him out there in a situation he could get hurt. B.J. Harris played, which I think that's his fourth game played, so it looks to me like he'll probably end up burning the red shirt, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, SBF Aviation, I think Macon could be developed into a weapon, but not quite where we'd want a QB1. I, I think that's true right now. I don't know if that, you know, that's not saying Tyler Macon can never be QB1, but right now I agree. He is a piece. He is a situational guy, but I don't think he is a starting quarterback in games that you have a realistic shot of winning. I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. Like Eric said, Cook was the more complete option. Um, Garrett says if he doesn't start, he has to play. I assume that's talking about making that. That's fair. Like I said, I, I think there is a, I think there's a view for it um, or, or a, a time for it. Um, let's see. What was the yardage of the running backs with Macon and Cook in the game? I mean, Total, the running backs had 13, 14 carries for 47 yards. Beatty had 9 for 41, and Downing and Harris combined have 5 for 6. So I'm not sure, you know, if more of those yards came with, with Macon or Cook, but you're only talking about 47 yards total, so there's not really a significant difference there. Um, let's see. Uh Yeah, so appreciate all the comments, and and I don't want to waste your time just going through here and in reading all of them on the air. But appreciate all the conversation that has been going on, and and the phone calls we've been getting. And and again, I will leave the. I kind of anticipated this being maybe a little bit shorter of a show because it was an early game that was realistically over at halftime, and also that you guys went in with. You knew what the expectations were, right? You weren't gonna win this game, I, and and again, we couldn't really create a situation where Missouri would win this game. So, you know, um, understandable uh, what the situation was. And, and again, to wrap up, kind of a little bit, I understand both sides of this. I understand if you watch this game and you walk away overall feeling decent about it, like you had a. You had two quarterbacks who had never really played, playing at the number one team in the country against the best defense we've seen in maybe 25 years. And, hey, it could have been a whole lot worse. And at the same time, you never walk away from 43-6 happy, right? I mean, there's room for both of these thoughts in this discussion. Um, so that's that's really kind of uh, where to fall. This game went very much like we thought this game was going to go. And... It's not going to be good enough in two years, 
But today, I don't know, maybe it was good enough. Not moral victory, not that you're happy with it, but it could have been so much worse, right? Um, so, you know, that's where that falls. Quarterback's going to be interesting. Again, uh, Mitchell Forty's going to have a, a notebook up. I'm going to write a column uh, coming up here when this show's over about the quarterback situation and just about really the options of how to handle it going forward. I, I'm not going to offer any solutions because I don't have any. I don't know what they are, but it'll be very interesting to see how Eli Drinkwitz does it going forward because I think it's probably the most important question for what the next two or three seasons look like. So I um, appreciate you guys being a part of this and um, hanging out with us uh, on this uh, afternoon. Hey, it's a nice day outside. Again, there's plenty of time, plenty more college football on. Go get yourself some Boulevard. Um, <clears throat> if you like the seltzers, if you like the cocktails, go get those. I would prefer just the the Boulevard, you know, maybe a maybe a space camp or something like that. But you guys get what you want. If you like the if you like the quirk, if you like the fling cocktails, hey, those are those are fine options as well on a nice fall day. So go pick some of that up. Uh, watch yourself some SEC football, some of the night games. Mitchell and I will have coverage going forward for you guys on the site and. Uh, we will have this up as a podcast shortly. Do me a favor before you leave here. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. If you've been here watching with us live, we've been well over 100 most of the day. So just make sure you hit those buttons before you before you leave the show. If you are listening after the fact on the podcast, leave us a nice review. Leave us some nice comments. Either way, share what we're doing. Let some other people know about it. So next week, it's 3 o'clock kickoff against South Carolina. We'll probably be here about 6.30 next Saturday night with the postgame show. And uh, that one might be a little more lively, going well into the evening hours and maybe even a game Missouri will have won. So uh, signing off for now, Gabe DeArmond. Appreciate you guys being a part of the postgame drink brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company. We'll talk to you next time.